Hey, hey, welcome to the Roof Strategist Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Benzman. You're listening to the number one resource for free roofing sales training. Tune in for new episodes every week right here or on YouTube to learn how to market yourself, generate leads, pitch like a pro, overcome objections, and close more sales. And whether you're a brand new salesperson, a seasoned pro, or an owner or sales manager growing your team, pay close attention because I have an offer you don't want to pass up. I'd like to give you my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. You'll get instant access to over 120 sales training videos organized by category that can take you from zero to hero in a heartbeat. Head on over to theroofstrategist.com right now to get my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. That's theroofstrategist.com. Now let's hop into today's episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I am joined by Dan with Roofing Business Builder. Dan, thanks for joining me today. Hey, great to be here. Awesome. So Dan and I connected on a serendipitous Instagram connection and saw his podcast, Roofing Business Builder Podcast, where he focuses a large part on commercial, specifically commercial sales and commercial retail sales of all things, which is a, a, a complement to what we do here through Strategist. And I've been getting a lot of questions. Um, specifically from salespeople and owners. I want to start selling commercial. And I said, who better to bring on than Dan? So Dan, uh, welcome to the show. And would you mind just giving us a quick recap of who you are, your, your background in the roofing industry, and, and then we'll jump right into the goodies. I'm really excited for today. Yeah, I'm Daniel Laxton. I've been in the roofing industry for probably 32 years now. And I had a roofing business for 15 years. Uh, my grandfather was a roofer. He trained my brother. My brother started that business. I personally never wanted to be in the roofing industry uh, because I was a little bit more of a prissy entrepreneur, didn't want to get my fingers dirty. And uh, But you know, I, I was willing to do what it takes uh, to make uh, a lot of money. And roofing is one of the, I, I'd say it's probably the, the American dream of businesses out there because you can make a lot of money. I mean, you can get into the, a million dollar range right away within the next, mm -hmm. within about two to three years, you could be doing millions of dollars a year if you know what you're doing. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, I started several other businesses, uh, had a, a filmmaking business. Um, I mean, but I just went down to, you know, I, I wrote a book on having 30 careers before 30. <laughs> so finding your dream job faster than me. Uh, but uh, the roofing industry has always been a good friend uh, to me. And so uh, we shifted and went into, uh, we had a, a manufacturer's repping agency for 17 years, my wife and I, and um, made a huge impact, grew a territory from uh, only 183,000 the first year to 8 million on, on our best year. So it's, um, it was an incredible ride, but you learn a lot along the journey. Every, everything, people go through life and they go, oh no, I messed up, oh, this is terrible. No, that's great. You're learning. You're on a journey of, of total, total discovery. And as we, as we go down this journey, we grow. And the more you learn, the more money you'll make. That's my introduction. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. I love it. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is going to answer that big question. How do you get into commercial? And, and what's funny, so I've got some notes pulled up that Dan sent me before the interview. 
And the first one that we're going to touch on, and by the way, everybody needs to stick around to the end because Dan's going to be sharing some insights for all free stuff. Um, and then obviously I can get in touch with them. Just the things people need to be doing. And I get these questions all the time. And in fact, I've sent a few folks over just to email with Dan. So number one, Dan, you sent me this. Commercial sales are easier than residential. Now I heard that and I'm like, no way. And I, I know retail and storm is different. But I want to hear what you have to say about this because this is going to open up a lot of people's mind because in their mind, it's really difficult. And I know the relationship part, getting in the door is difficult, but flesh this out. What do you mean by that? Commercial sales are easier than residential. Well, in commercial sales, it's just a, it's a different, it's a whole different ball game. You know, if you're dealing with a residential person, um, you're spending a lot of time for a limited amount of income, limited amount of money. And what happens is on residential, people have more questions, they'll have more uh, concerns, they'll be calling you on the phone constantly. And when the job's done, you know, if there's a nail in the yard, they're going to be, hey, I, there's a nail on the yard. Or look, I looked at the shingle, it looks like it's curling. And so every time you, you have to touch that customer, of previous customers, you already made the money. Well, you, you, so a lot of times in the residential, you don't have a lot of money to do all this extra work, but so, but it's a lot of work, you know, to, and it's like, it's just good, good work though. Cause we're helping, mm -hmm. we're helping people. And it, and it's very rewarding to your heart when you, this little old lady is dried in and she's happy and she loves you, but she wants you to come over and eat dinner with her. I'm just kidding though. <laughs> hey, these things happen. This team, just to, to interject for, for humor's sake, I was just running a training down with a team. And I was explaining like when people make these kind gestures to you, you say yes, because it, it develops a very deep connection and relationship. You know, if, if I had a friend come over and say, hey, you want something to drink? I'm expecting them to say yes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we want that. So he says, I had this old lady literally pick out a piece of avocado with her fingers and try to feed it to me. Should I have said <laughs> yes? And I laughed at him. I said, honestly, man, if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have said yes. Oh, just yeah. because, you know, you're your best but anyway, sorry to interject. Well, yeah, no, that's perfect. But, but the thing is, is when we're looking at um, residential, that's relationships. Mm -hmm. Now that relationship you have with that sweet little old lady um, in 15 years, she may call you back and you might get a roof or she may talk to all of her friends mm -hmm. or sometimes we found some uh, situations where that little old lady also owns the commercial building or she owns 20 or maybe owns 150 commercial buildings. So you eat that avocado. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but um, so it, there's nothing wrong with that, but I always tell people that, you know, once you switch over to commercial, you know, sure. Hold on to, the, the customers, maybe take care of a few of those customers that, that have been a part of your family for so long. Uh, but you, you start telling everyone else that calls, especially if it's a storm in your town, you say, sorry, we're only commercial. We'd love to help you, but you, your dad helped do my first Okay. We'll come out, but you know right. what I'm saying? But you have to be wise about that because commercial is so much more easy because for every 20 customers, every 20 residential customers, all you need is one commercial customer that loves you, that wants to feed you the avocado. Once you have that relationship with, with someone that owns 150 buildings, do you have any roofs that they'll send you per year? You know, and that's, um, so the, when, when you're um, in the residential industry, you're constantly looking for the next job because that last customer that you just had, 
you're not going to see them for at least 15 years. And if you do see them, it's going to cost you money. So how do you, these are all great, great points. And especially knowing that people, you know, investors, business owners, these are the entrepreneurial spirit and, and you're right. They do have multiple properties. And I know for us, we did, we at one point added a water fire mold restoration division to our company. So we landed this one commercial deal and we took great care of it. It was a huge project. Um, they loved us. And uh, it's funny because it, something happened on there that's going to lead us to another point we're going to touch on the end, which is protecting the legal side for when things go wrong because it's not if, it's when. But even with that little thing going wrong, they had a pipe burst in the winter in three other buildings that we didn't even know they owned on the fourth floor. So when that burst, that's floor four, three, two, one, basement. These are massive water losses. Who's first on call? We are. We end up with, I mean, that one deal was a few million of work between all the relationships. So this begs the question, what, when we talk commercial, cause I had a guy Instagram message me yesterday. I should pull this up. And he basically, he's asking me, how do I start pitching to Walmart? And, and I think it's great. Like thinking big is absolutely awesome. Um, oh, it was a Facebook message. I think thinking big is great. And at the but same if time- you, If you ask that question, um, you're not ready. Yeah, and, and you can't question, you're not ready. You got to walk before you run. So let's talk commercial. Everyone just thinks like, and this is a big misconception I hear because I actually was was helping this company. I did this this uh, training with last week. You know, they were saying, hey, we need some commercial sales and it was specific to storm. But commercial encompasses, you know, massive industrial facilities, storage facilities, manufacturing facilities. Then there's the, the privately owned dental practice. That's just a you know, essentially just a large shingle roof. And then there's specialty roofings and roofs and there's churches and there's strip centers. So let's talk, wh where do you start? Do you go to the, to the Walmarts of the world or do you find like a mom pa owners, but let's talk on, on where that, that quote unquote sweet spot of getting in your foot in the door and commercial. What's that ideal customer? Well, you don't start with any of that. Where, where you start is, is what product are you planning on using? So the thing is, is you have to, in the commercial realm, I, I mean, you can use shingles all day long. And I mean, a lot of uh, residential roofers don't even know that uh, they have to fill out paperwork uh, for that warranty. So if you're doing those jobs, you know, a lot of, a lot of roofers, I mean, for years, they, they'll, one day they'll go, you mean I have to send this, this person's information into the manufacturer to get them a personal warranty for this, the, the roof that I put on. And yes, that's what you're supposed to do. So when it comes to commercial roofs, what sort of warranty can you offer? You know, I, I had a roofer call me one time and says, Oh yeah, I'm licensed JAF. And I'm like, no, you're not. And the reason why is because I know who's licensed. I know who's yeah. licensed and, and anyone in the commercial industry, especially because I had a repping agency. So I have contracts with multiple components of commercial roofs, uh, roofing materials. Mm -hmm. And so, so I represented several manufacturers and all of us know, we know if you're a roofer and you're a residential roofer with a good reputation and, and you're thinking about crossing over, we know you before you even think about it <laughs> because <laughs> we know all the commercial roofers and we know their skill sets. We know how much, um, we know who's paying their bills. We keep track of all, all that stuff because we, we need the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get into commercial roofing before you think about what kind of customers or the big dollar signs, 
choose what product you want to use. Do you have a passion for a specific product? Do you like PVC? Do you like EPDM? Do you like built up? Mm -hmm. um, there's different relationships, different customers within each of those manufacturing groups. People, if you're in the restaurant uh, industry, you're going to be uh, more likely to uh, have better results with a PVC membrane because uh, built ups, uh, built up roofs and uh, TPOs, um, they interact with the oils that come out of the, uh, the top of the roof. You know, they have the ventilation and all yep. these oils come on the roof. Well, they can break down a roof within about, you know, three years sometimes. I mean, wow. so it, you're um, all around the area. If, there, if there's um, animal fats, it, it, it's interacting with the components within the membrane. So question is, is which niche do you want to be in? And then you have to go and do your research on all manufacturers. It's, there's not that many of them. So find out what, what you feel passionate about, but with this membrane, do your homework because the whole secret to commercial roofing is your material that you're going to, you're going to start with, you know, you have to find a manufacturer that's willing to license you. And that's a lot of risk because we don't, you know, if, if you've never done this before, then you can give the manufacturer a black eye. If that happens, then all the manufacturers hear about you. <laughs> it's a small so world you, out there. Yeah. But it, yeah. it starts with the membrane first, you know, what, what material you want to use. And people will call me and says, oh, I want to get licensed with your product. And I go, oh, you're not ready. They yeah. go, what do I do? And I say, well, go, uh, go to your local distributor. Uh, most distributors have their own product and they'll, they're willing to let you guys use that product, get your feet wet, start out with um, 25 squares, maybe 80 squares. You can make some money off of that. But if you make some mistakes, if you're going to make a mistake, don't you want to make it on something that is only a $30,000 roof than a $300,000 roof? If you lose 20% of your money, it's, it's easier to, it's, it's, it's easier to lose 20% of $30,000 than 20% of $300,000. A lot easier, a yeah. lot easier. And you will make mistakes. You're, I mean, it's it, mistakes are inevitable. If you don't know what you're doing, you're learning and there's yeah. nothing wrong with mistakes. Mistakes are expected life is that way and i don't yeah. really look at them as mistakes i look at them as discoveries you discover like you discovered so everyone says well fail fail fast fail forward and i'm like nah that's negative because it brings up fear and negative emotion why not say i'm discovering i'm learning and when yeah. you do <clears throat> and when you do make a mistake just say that's great your employees yeah, look at you like this. <laughs> I know. That's interesting because I'll, I'll be the first to admit my product knowledge is not is not super great. You know, I, I, I did some residential EPDM. I did some commercial EPDM, uh, but they were just large industrial facilities, warehouses. Um, I, I worked on a gym, like a fitness gym, things like this. And, and I knew enough to be dangerous and I could sell the job. But I knew when I got in over my head. And I also know that when you're selling residential and you're, and I'll just say it just for grins, but when you're slinging shingles, like your product knowledge is not a huge factor when it comes to selling. As long as you know the basics and you can walk someone through the process, you're good to go. You know, nine out of 10 roofers can install shingle roof and they're going to do a great job. You know, of course there's issues. I know they, they forget what they're doing. They just have to flip the bag over and read the instructions. Exactly. The instructions are on every bag. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a different animal. 
And for the most part, and I know I'll probably get comments, well, no, this designer shingle's a little different. I know that there's all subtle nuances between them, but from the, from the core fundamentals, there, you know, there's an underlayment, your flashing's pretty much the same, and you nail the shingle on the nail strip. Okay. Like yeah. how, four, how many four nails, to six nails. <laughs> right yeah, well, how, well, all that stuff is, is, is a sign. Yeah. Then you get into this and you brought up a good point. Cause I was sharing this story the other day. I got in way over my head on this, on this project once. And it was just, we weren't set up for it. We were a residential company with a little bit of commercial sprinkled in. And again, the commercial was, was usually multifamily. So it was large shingle projects or EPDM. And I get this call and it was in downtown Madison, like right on the square. And if you don't know downtown Madison, I mean, it's, it's as Metro as a Metro. Right. And I'm up there and I'm like, I had to bid this project and I'm trying to find crane operators to rent by the hour. We had to set up a garbage chute, you know, to not hurt any, and then the permits and then shutting down a street. At least you knew that legally you had to do that. Yeah. We, I mean, you, I did at least. You did your homework. You did your homework. I did my homework. It was a learning lesson. (laughs) And I was like, man, like I'm over my head. And and a big mistake people make, especially new sales people, because this was when I was newer. And and I I spent all this time on this project. Oh, if I could just land this deal. And I'm like, man, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I know Mm -hmm. there's a time for it, right? Like something falls in your plate. But at, at the same time, know your sweet spot. So I like that when you said that those manufacturing groups and to have your niche, and this is super important because I, again, I, I work with this company on the storm side to get into commercial and we were focusing on, on a different type of commercial. Um, but they were saying, you know, well, what kind of commercial do we go after? I'm like, man, if you're going to find like a manufacturing facility or an airport, it's very different. And I didn't even know about the uh, restaurants and the, the grease breaking down membranes. That's boom. That's new to me. Maybe yeah. like, who's this out well, no Jack? Well, I know my stuff, but I'm a sales and marketing guy. You know, I'm not a chemicals. Chemicals like to equalize. So yeah. uh, even if you're using a specific PVC membrane and say you're licensed with this one and you get up on a, a roof and the, the, the product that's put down is PVC, but it's by this manufacturer that you're not licensed with you cannot put down your membrane. You say if you're repairing mm-hmm. a, a pipe flashing. So well, it's yeah. PVC and PVC alike. It's, they should be compatible. They're not. Every manufacturer yeah. has a different formula. And so what happens, you put down a pipe flashing and yay, the customer's happy. It's not leaking. And then within six months, it interacts and, it, the, and the seams just melt away. And next thing you know, you went from hero to zero. Uh, with your reputation with that customer. And so a lot of people do this. They don't know that uh, every, in shingles, most shingles are exactly, you can always put a shingle up there. It's not going to matter. It's not going to mm-hmm. interact in most cases. But yeah. when it comes to commercial roofing, uh, EPDM is the most, um, you can, like you can go over EPDM with TPO or PVC. It, mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's almost a slip sheet. So it's a separator. So but that's the only thing you can go over the top of wood. You can go over metal with right. any, any membrane, but you cannot go over TPO with PVC, PVC with PVC or TPO with TPO. Um, yeah. And then the worst part is that you void the warranty for that for your customer. So if your customer has got a, tw- a 15, 20, 30 year warranty, you just, lo- I mean, that's a lot of money they paid for that. And you just totally voided their warranty. So what they'll have to do is call up the manufacturer and then get a list of licensed contractors. They'll come out and cut all of your work out that you charge that customer and they'll have to repair it to get back into warranty. Yeah, that's, that's something. And, and 
I want to skip one of our points to go into the next one, which is the liability side. And well, let's mention niche just bar- barely though. Yeah, um, let's do that. The most important thing when I was saying that you choose a manufacturer, then it's niche. So um, the thing is, is when a manufacturer or the rep of that manufacturer is looking at you, see, uh, there's so many roofs out there, right, to, to get. And if you're, um, uh, say, if you know, I had 63 licensed dealers, I had over 120 licensed, but I, you know, you get rid of some that aren't doing performing. Yep. Yeah. So, but if you, uh, if you're not in a specific niche, so here's how a rep makes money. Rep makes money is like, I got my guys that do hotels. I got my guys that do industrial. I got my guys that do restaurants and mm-hmm. I get a phone call. Hey, I, I want to, I want to get licensed. Well, what are you, what are you going to do with it? It's like, Oh, nothing. It's like, no, you're going after one of my jobs. I spec'd. And it's like, okay, I want to bid and this and I'm like, well, look, I got four guys that actually advertise my product, advertise the manufacturer. They're bringing me business. If I license you, I have to train you, train your, train your employees. Um, and I won't make any money. I'm not making extra money because I already have the guys that are doing that specific work. So mm-hmm. if you want to get a, a get licensed, what you do is you find a niche that no one else is doing, and then you're bringing extra money to the table. So yeah. then I can make more money because this guy is not going to go after my guys that are doing this job. See, and if they license you and you go after all of their guys, then they may stop selling their product. They may switch mm-hmm. to a different manufacturer. So it can totally destroy a repping organization. So anyways, that's it's really important. Your niche is everything. To focus mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then like you mentioned, and, and I know some people are still probably like commercial sales easier than residential. It, it's a higher value relationship. Is that basically the main takeaway? So you sell one roof. Yes, you're going to get the roof. Could you get referrals? Yes. Um, but it's usually one roof and nine out of 10 customers, you do the roof once, you're never going to hear from them again. Right. <laughs> Unless you, get, you, know, you did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but with, with commercial, and this happens a lot, you know, these commercial owners, they usually play in the same business world. You have a restaurant mm-hmm. owner. He generally isn't going to have a restaurant and a manufacturing facility. He's going to have a restaurant and other restaurants, right? Or he's going to invest well, in a strip center and own other strip centers, or he's going to invest. Most of my restaurant owner. owners, they owned 150 restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not just one. I mean, there's multiple people that were my customers that own franchise after franchise and not just even just one franchise. They'll have sometimes have three different restaurant types mm-hmm. that they're. Um, so, but the thing is, is if you develop that relationship with that person and they love you and they're putting the avocado in your mouth, <laughs> that kind of relationship, if you yeah. have that and you go to a, a rep and say, I've been studying your product and, I, and I'm really impressed with it. And you do your homework because you want to tell them the story. You want to say, oh, you know, the founder of the company was this way or this happened mm-hmm. this way. And they'll say, damn, this guy or girl is amazing. I think I'd like to have them. And they're doing something. They have customers I don't even know about. Then, then you're an value, uh, value, a value. Sorry, less dexia, a value add to their to to their their company, and and that's how you do it. But it, it's first you got to find develop. Well, choose your product. Uh, find a, just one or two customers that love you, and then um, and start small, and then um, and that way when you approach the manufacturer, you can get a license. Yep, I, that's that's excellent. And it's important because your, your expertise, you know, like product knowledge, 
what we're doing here in storm work retail, excuse me, storm, even retail shingles, your product knowledge is less important and there's less to learn. You know, you could spend a week on the job and know enough. Mm -hmm. um, commercials did totally different animal. And when you, you know, and study two hours a night, you know, yeah. so when you're doing this and you find that product, get the spec man, spec data manual and start reading it. That's a great piece of advice that I was going to ask. You beat me to it. And, and think of it like this. Like when I, I drove by a church install the other day and I did a video for it on the channel. And what's the other day, man, COVID makes things all time stand still. It was actually like two months, three months ago, probably. <laughs> but I used it as an opportunity to teach. Like this is what's important to sell a job, especially on a commercial or larger scale. Because people want to know that you're familiar with how their business operates to solve the unique problems that they have. If all restaurants have the same equipment mounted on the roof and you know how to flash it, you know, the safest way to detach it and reset it and make sure it's connected again. So there's not downtime and to protect the customers or residents or patrons of that business for their safety and your liability. And if you become that subject matter expert to be like, I am the restaurant roof guy. I will make sure that, you know, our crew comes in for any repairs off peak hours. I'll make sure your equipment is set back up. I'll make sure that, you know, the fish fry on Friday isn't going to put a hole in the roof because the other guy might not have known that. And that's, it, it, it's, I love what you've said about, about choosing that niche. So find, you know, I, let me ask you, how do you start? That's going to be someone's question. How do I start finding a niche? What's, what's some good advice to help at least channel people in the right direction? If you've done one commercial roof, um, two, three, well, once you, at first people are throwing out a net, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I, I, there's so many different segments of, of the, that even commercial roofers that, that have been doing commercial roofing for 10, 20 years don't know. Um, but like, if you're, if you're throwing, when you're advertising or marketing, people are just throwing a big net everywhere. Well, that's not a niche net. No, you know, it's like you, fishing with a worm. Yes. What are you, so, what are you fishing for? <laughs> well, and the thing is, is you have to know your skill set. So yeah. if you're switching over to commercial, you're going to be using subs in the beginning uh, because there's no way you're going to be able to keep uh, your own employees employed if you don't have uh, work lined up for three months. So yeah then it's going to cost you or you're going to lose a good employee because they're not going to want to, they're not going to want to uh, stick around while they're not making money. Mm -hmm. So you, you'll, you'll start out using a sub. And so when you're using a sub, what's their niche, what are they yeah. good at? So you yeah. might have to ask questions to them, find out what they're, they're good at. Cause yeah. if they're, if they, you know, most people are not good at new construction. If you, if you go and try to bid something, and by the way, we didn't mention that, did we do not bid do not bid, do not, do not go down to the, 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 the room and look at blueprints and stuff. That's not your, you have to, even if you do do that, you won't make any money because the lowest bid is that win. So are you willing to, you know, make the, the least amount of money on a job? If you win that bid, that means that you chose to make the least amount of money. That's the way I see it. So, yeah. so instead of uh, go for, specific customers. Um, what do you feel comfortable with? There's so many uh, <laughs> things we could talk about on that aspect, but yeah, um, th that's probably the easiest one. Find out what the niche is of your sub crew. Yeah. And what's around you. I mean, some, some markets are going to be 
more saturated with restaurants. The old town that we moved out of, I think had like the highest restaurants per capita in the entire state. So that would have been a really great niche to jump into. But restaurants like aren't easy to make money at though. Uh, there's especially more pipes flashings. If you don't know how to, if you don't know how long it's going to take for each of your guys to do pipes and get your air, con- sometimes you'll have like a ton of air conditioning units up there mm-hmm. and it's all cut up and then there's tie-ins and then there's angle iron. How do you do an angle iron? That looks like this, you know, how are you going to, right. So um, you have to, there's a lot to learn. So I wouldn't suggest starting with restaurants. Uh, There are people that are really good with that, but uh, that's a, it's a very hard one. Start with something like, like a, um, oh, a a storage unit place or something. There it is. Storage unit facilities. uh, Pop in, talk to whoever's in the office and ask them about the owner. What's, what are they like and stuff? Hey, can I, and then they'll feed you wherever you go. You can cold call. And just ask questions, become, be, be nice and friendly and people will feed you all the, the, who they are, what school they went to, what their children's names are. They'll tell you everything Yeah, as long as they trust you. And so that's, but cold calling is probably the best way. And then find, uh, just, but find small buildings in the beginning. Privately of, owned. Privately owned family. I was, I, I would always tell people, you know, like in my book is it's better to go to work for a small family business because you can walk right in and say hello mm-hmm. to the owners and they'll fall in love with you. And then boom, you got, yeah. plenty, you know, you got plenty of work. Yep. And, and it, I'm glad you brought that up about finding a niche because think about it. I like to just, not everyone, niche is a marketing word and not everyone has a marketing mind. So a niche is a, a subset of needs. If I'm the church guy, all the churches have the same need. They have services on certain days. They have the similar type decision-making structure. They often have similar types of roofs or similar desires of cosmetic appeal. And you could be like, hey, I'll make sure X, Y, and Z is handled. You're good. Whereas a commercial facility that has a high volume of customers coming in, that's a different set of needs. And you're right. Getting in with an individual family-owned business is phenomenal. Um, a church is a great niche though that yeah. because, and again, churches sometimes talk to other churches. So you may talk to one church that is a part of a group of churches where there's like 40 churches yeah. in your town. And next thing you know, that is your niche. Yeah. Um, but if, trade shows are the other thing. So if you, if you don't have a niche yet, you, you may find something that seems good. Uh, say yeah. we, I use the illustration of, uh, of, uh, self-storage, then you can do a self-storage show. You know, yeah. you have to pay like $3,000, set up your booth and, and get to know some people. All you need is right. a couple people, just two, yeah. three. Once you get to about six, you'll never have to advertise again. That's <laughs> it's, huge. Yeah. That's Cause huge. I mean, yeah. And just know what you're fishing with. I mean, you got to know your bait. It's so many, so many people, so many people, especially roofing salespeople. I just want to get into commercial. And it's like, man, that's like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to go hunting today and I'm going to run into the woods. Well, what's your game? What season? Yeah. What's your query? What do, do you know? Do you have a blind? I, do you not? Are you I carrying a, six, a twenty-two? I have, or a th- I have a six-shooter. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've got a twenty-two old single-action revolver, and I'm going to go for a trophy buck. No, exactly. man. No, it's not going to work. So match what you can do, which includes do you have a bow. It's like <laughs> yeah, my which, my son made it. It's little. <laughs> it's rubber band. You yeah. know, for a slingshot. And, yeah. and the crew, that's the part, like you can sell shingles all day and then figure out a crew. You can bring crews in. 
they're, they're a dime a dozen to some respect. And I know, I don't mean to insult anybody. I know no. that there's different quality of work. I get it. But my point is it is much easier to have one guy on the job that really knows what's going on, who can kind of spearhead a team of newbies. Meanwhile, on a, all these unique applications of manufacturers and roof types and flashing and unique things that you're going to encounter you can't sell it and figure it out in the same way you can like it, when you land your first 18 unit apartment complex with a shingled roof like mm -hmm. cool you can you can figure those crews out right you can pause production and everything else bring them over but if all of a sudden you sell pvc job you've never done one before and you're like who can install this for me <laughs> I sold it so which brings me now to what <laughs> yeah let's let's touch on let's touch on this um, you and I kind of talked liability and commercial opens up liability on steroids. Mm -hmm. We both agree. It's if not when, I mean, you are, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of things can happen? How do you avoid it? Um, well, there's uh, I've seen this several times, especially on sometimes a new construction type of job that was put out to bid by an architect, but the uh, owner had no intention of paying the tradesmen. And so there's a little trick that you got to watch out in some of these towns, people do this is um, they'll sue everyone. So if, if all of the trades are under $50,000 um, that's between 30 and $50,000, most lawyers of manufacturers will just pay it off. They're not going to, they're not going to mess with that because it's, it's too much of a liability lawsuit. So that's not 30 to $50,000 is not much money. So these guys figured that out. And so they'll just sue you and sue your manufacturer, and then you'll never get paid on that job. So that's one area that's kind of a weird thing you can run into. Some people will sit there and say, well, you did the job wrong. And, and the reason why is their idea is uh, they can, get out of paying you with, you know, the rest of the, the, the money. So they'll hire an engineer to come out and find something just like in, in shingles if it, or uh, storm chasing, you, you're going to find an engineer or to come out and look and say, Oh, I, I see these indentions, you know, well, they'll do that just so they don't pay you. Then you're going to be in a lawsuit. And so there's, that's, we could do a whole, a whole episode on that, but that it's going to happen. But here's the thing is, is don't go out and get a lawyer. Make sure you have your insurance. A lot of people say, well, the insurance is really expensive in roofing. Yeah, but you have to have it because it's going to happen. You're going to leave a roof open. One of your guys, you're just like, did you do a night seal? Yeah, I did a night seal. Then you're like, nope, didn't do a night seal. He, they lied. They didn't want to do it because it takes an hour to do a night seal. Maybe, you know, you have to, and, and, and most people don't even know, oh, how do you do a, a night seal? Let's, let's ask the manufacturer. They're not going to tell you how to do a night seal. Why? Because you say, well, I did it just the way you said, and it leaked it on the roof. Yeah. Well, then they, they've accepted the, the, the liability. liability. So manufacturers won't tell you how to do a night seal. They'll just tell you you have to do one. So because that because it's all about liability and risk. So, yeah, um, and it's it crazy who points who the finger. This is what people don't get with insurance, because I, I would say that most roofing companies are underinsured and fingers point in every direction. So even though you're going to be like, I, if it was my sub's fault. Well, then your subs insurance is going to subrogate against you because you're the one that hired and put them on the job. Mm -hmm. And guess what? This happened to us. I've told this story a few times on the channel. Commercial project, multifamily unit. Um, we had a ladder set up. Everything was clearly marked, but it was an older, um, it was a facility for retirees. And this woman uh, wasn't paying attention and she walked into our ladder. 
she split her head open. And I get a call. First thing I do, I am on, on their outside, paid for any medical issues. Thankfully, it was resolved until six months later when she wanted to move out and she had an early termination fee on her lease that she couldn't afford. So she goes and talks to an attorney because she needs money. And the attorney says, hey, remember that time you hit your head? You can sue the roofing company, you can sue the subs, and you can sue the facility because it was on their property. So she mm -hmm. calls me up. She goes, hey, I want to move out of here, Adam. Remember six months ago I hit my head? Yeah, you mentioned you were fine. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm good. I just need some money, and they want to charge me $2,200 to move out early. So I'm hoping you can pay for it. Otherwise, I'm going to sue you, the company, and the sub. And I was like, did you literally just call me and blackmail me? And what do we do? I called up our attorney. <laughs> and I said, listen, and out of, out, I was so, I killed her with kindness and I was gritting my teeth like you total scumbag. Um, Cause that's a something for nothing attitude as I call it. You know, she just took it. We, we took care of her with the highest level of integrity and she was fine. It's a bump. But you didn't uh, get a signature from her. So as soon as you take care of them, you have to yep. get, have them to sign a release. Yeah, well, that's that way they we, can't keep coming after you. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up getting the attorney to draft it up. We ended up paying the facility on her behalf so that way she didn't pocket the cash, but it was a nightmare. My point is it's, it can be something as stupid as that. And every time there's other people, the finger will always point and it can go through you to them, to someone else. And this is how I had a client who was an attorney uh, way back when um, in, in, in my marketing days. And I know how this works. They peel back the onion. They're like, Hey, they're connected to there, they're connected to there. So we can sue them, which will then sue them because it's all, it's a game. So, um, Let's leave with some tips. What's the best way to cover some, some liability, obviously, besides getting an attorney? Uh, the, the thing is, is you don't necessarily have to have an attorney. You know, the, 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 your first phone call is not to your attorney. Pay your insurance. Always have insurance because an insurance company doesn't want to pay out claims and they have their own lawyers. Mm -hmm. So when you look at your insurance, don't think of that as just that you have liability insurance. Think of that as you have prepaid legal because they're going to, they're, they're going to take care of their, it's in their best interest to save money. And so they're, they're going to help you out there, but, yep. but then you may have to have an attorney down. The, I, you know, I always had an attorney on also on retainer, but that's one thing. The second thing is um, join the NRCA mm -hmm. and people say, but that's so expensive. <laughs> yes, it is. And guess what? Pay to play. Yeah. And, and read read, read, spend two hours a day of your life reading the NRCA books. And the reason why is because if you get sued, guess what, guess what is uh, the Bible is the NRCA's hand, the, uh, the guidelines written by the NRCA. That's what the, the judge, that's what everything comes down to is that Bible. So um, know, know that Bible because you can sit there and say, well, the manufacturer says this. Yeah, but the manufacturer says, or whatever is. Um, uh, is it the NRCA roofing manual? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I just pulled yeah. it up on NRCA's website here. And it's thick, but, but study that thing. Just spend a couple hours a day. And, uh, and the reason why is that's going to save you uh, so much. The manufacturers will allow different things that aren't written in there. Mm -hmm. And that's okay until you get sued. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's true. The, the manufacturer will give a warranty based upon specific things in their spec book. But when it comes to legal things, this is what we found. You want to do it, whatever that book says, because that the, the, the um, when it comes to legality of things, it's different than what the manufacturer says. The judge is going to be looking at the NRCA's 
uh, handbook. Yeah. You know, liability. So when you said insurance, there's different types of insurance. Can we just quickly cover the types of insurance that people should have besides a proper limit of general liability that exceeds the value of the projects you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otherwise you can go bankrupt in a hurry. If you carry like many residential roofers, million dollar coverage. But yeah. It's hard we, to get a policy uh, under a million. You know, some manufacturers still have in their books that you only need three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars yeah. of insurance, but get someone to write that. It's, it's not easy to find. Most are uh, up to 2 million now. And if you get the million, that's fine. But, it's usually not that much money to get $2 million worth of coverage, might as well. And that's general liability. But then you also have your workman's comp if you're gonna be doing government types of jobs. Uh, you may have to pay prevailing wage and you may have to have workman's comp. Uh, depends on the state you're in too. Like in here in Texas, they don't require workman's comp. And But if someone falls off that roof, man, that's on your conscience because if you don't have workman's comp, you know. Yep, it's... It, it's a scary place to be. And that stuff, again, it's just a matter of time. I, I, I get emails every single day with things that surprise me. And I thought I saw it all. And I just talked to someone who, who fell off um, roof, won't be getting back on one, was in grave spot. And, you know, I remember not, not too long ago, there's a, there was a, an insurance adjuster that was climbing a, a roof, low access on a residential home from a driveway. And I forget what happened. I think the ladder kicked out from under him or something, but he was halfway up the ladder, but it fell backwards, hit his head, and his concrete died on the spot in the customer's driveway. You I've know? seen it many times. I've been, I've been on roofs where someone was walking backwards, fell through a skylight. Yep. But they, he, that person lived. You know? I had an adjuster it, fall through the roof with me. I caught him. I fell through a roof before uh, on a residential. Yeah. And I, I caught myself because we're, we're redecking it. And I caught myself. Yeah. I'm like, I look at my brother. I go, hey, I caught myself. He goes, uh, no, you didn't. I looked down, my butt had busted the <laughs> the drywall. <laughs> but the oh, thing is, is, mistakes will happen. So yeah. we, you have to have your ducks in a row if you're going to play with the big boys. And guess yeah. what? You can play with the big boys. We can do this. I'm telling you, it's much better to be in the the commercial realm than the residential. It's it's night and day. It's yep. It's a relief of stress, less yeah. stress, in my opinion. And, and finding, I don't know if I've showed this to you, Dan, but I use, um, there's a lot of different apps like SalesRabbit and Spotio and, and different real estate apps that give you private property owner data. So however you guys, there you go, yeah. guys and gals use it. This mm-hmm. is um, on X Hunt, and I just use it because I, I uh, started hunting recently and I want to know private versus public land. Well, I just found this commercial facility. Look small, right? It's a nice yeah. little. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, maybe uh, office buildings or something, and look, I can click. Look on how many it. units are on there. They're very little air conditioning units. Very little pipes. Yeah, it, it's it looks a metal. Job. Well, I can do this. Check this out. I bring it up. Private land. There's tax address. Tax address is different than property address. Tax address links to the owner, which means you can show up at their house. You can send direct mailers to their home, which I include, by the way, in my um, battle pack and in your complete sales Ooh, strategy to target love these. It. But yeah, all of them, like this whole area is like a sweet spot. You know, this is a commercial um, zone district. And obviously you can see this roof's got a little more complexity to it, but boom, there's the tax address. And now I know, hey, we can go right to that tax address and you know that the, the property owner because that's the hardest part of of locating these these family-owned people so if you guys are ever sitting around and you're looking to to as we say hunt for whales or fish for whales 
use, use technology and, and do it. But, um, you know, you can, um, you can spend a, a couple thousand dollars and sell mailers to the big net mm-hmm. you know, where it's not specifically targeted, like the worm that you're talking about, yeah. or you can use that, what you're just showing, um, everyone, you can use something like that and send a beer to them. My brother would always call it a beer. Cause I, I'd be, you know, I had some full color back when color was brand new, uh, brochures. And he's like, how would you spend all that? He says, man, you could just be giving out beers. You know, so but the point is, is like you can literally send someone an overnight envelope for spend the seven bucks, say a two day overnight or whatever, one of those, but something big that has a, they open it up and it says, Hey, I, I want to get to know you, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. Can have, and, it, and you can get, you can, but you're targeting, you want to target a specific customer within your niche and develop that relationship. So that's a great, what's that thing called again? This, so there's some, and I've shared this in the channel before, ONX. ONX. ONX Hunt. And it's 30 bucks for the year. And the reason I went to these hunting apps is I wanted, I, I live out in Colorado, the, the national forests border these private lands. You need to know the boundaries. Like I'll give you an example. Like this is, if I was out hunting in this area, I gotta be mindful of public versus private land. You can see it here. But then I started using this for, for the direct mail strategy that I teach because I'm always looking for fun tools. And even on this like residential, this is how we mainly use it. I can click on this address and the tax address matches the, um, the uh, property address, you know, it's owner occupied and boom, there it is. There's like, I can just, I know the owner's name is Davies, uh, Christine Davies, for example, on this house and their address. And I can then put together my direct mail letter, address it to her and show up or better yet, if I'm installing her house, I can click around on the neighboring homes and I know the homeowner's name. So I can just go introduce, Hey, are you Peggy? Hey, Peggy, we're just doing the, the Davies over here, the roof and just wanted to give you my card in case any. So it's just or, really and if you guys would like to see how we're doing, you, you know, I mean, if you feel safe, come up and t- take a look at us yeah. installing the roof. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, sometimes yeah. they invite come people watch us up. Work. Oh yeah. And they'll, I've had that happen a lot. It's brilliant. Yep. By the way, everyone, Adam, is not using a shotgun in his marketing when he's hunting with the ONX hunt, hunting app. Yeah. He's not using a shotgun. He is using a sniper. He's that's targeting true. a specific target. Yeah, that's a good, I like that. That is true. So Onyx, thank you for that. Onyx Hunt <laughs> is one, another one that I, that I teach to use is called Hunt Stand, H-U-N-T-S-T-A-N-D. That one's like 30 for the year for the whole country. So they're cheaper than the, even these real estate laps, apps like Land Glide. I think it's 10 bucks a month. And How much do you pay for a welder? Data. How much do you pay for a welder? You a know? welder? Yeah. If you're using a, a nice uh, hot air welder for your roofing membrane, you know, you got to, the, the tools that you, you may have to buy a Walker oh. welder that costs you 10, a Walker welder will cost you $10,000, right? Yeah. But what I find these roofers don't do is they, they don't realize that um, paying 30 bucks a month or, you know. It's for the once, year. Yeah, for the there you go. So some of these things take a gas. You know, I mean, some roofers would pay Eagle Eye or Eagle View. You know, like three hundred bucks just for one one report. And it's not they don't even have the job yet. (laughs) They don't have the job. But the thing is, is invest in your company, spend money, like join Adam's program or join my program, and we're going to help you grow your business. Yeah, I love it. And on that note, Dan, thanks for being here. I'm gonna. I want to do one quick summary short summary and then direct people where they can connect with you. So find your niche, figure out who in your area you should serve. Start with something simple. Start with 
privately owned, individually owned properties. You can use tools like Onyx or HuntStand or Spotty or SalesRabbit to get in touch with the owners and tax addresses. That's what we covered. We talked about making sure you have crews to uh, do the work and they're going to do it well. You want to make sure you're well insured for when things go wrong, not if, ideally, if you can set up with an attorney. And then obviously getting licensed with a manufacturer. And then the last thing that we talked about was joining the NRCA, start reading those books and doing your homework. Did I miss anything? I, I don't think so. I think that's awesome. And if they did, they could just rewind. <laughs> that's true. Rewind, <laughs> replay, share with your team. Um, if they're wanting guys, to get into this industry, they, they need to maybe watch this a couple of times because there will be things that we said that you may have missed. And then when you re-listen to it, you're like, oh. Yeah, I do that a lot. I actually just listened to uh, Rework, which is a great book. If no one's ever done it. Like, I think two times around and I'll do it a third. So Dan, thanks for being here. How can people find you? Um, they can go to Roofing Business Builder. Uh, we're on, uh, I think, Facebook, Spotify. Uh, oh, we have the Roofing Business Builder podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they if you know how to spell my last name L A K S T I N S, you can go. You can find me at Daniel Laxons. I do more than just roofing. I've I've invested in other businesses too, but my heart is with all of you guys out there that are in the roofing industry, because that's where I came from too. And I, I want to give back to my community. So, but yeah, you can find me, Daniel Laxton's. I, I do a lot of um, mental stuff. So a lot of my uh, work that I do is to help you to believe and to create what you want in life. So um, if you just, you know, I have like two minute videos, six minute videos that help to inspire you and get you your juices flowing and, awesome. and to, to learn how to control this thing. Ah, it's funny today, this morning, I started listening to uh, Napoleon Hill's book, how to own your own mind. Yes. Funny enough, I'm, true story. It's right. Yeah. There. Thinking so, Grow Rich was my first book, you know, back when I was younger. That was, that's a good yeah. one. I didn't even know this one until it showed up in my once you can get to control your mind, your whole world will change. So, you place. Know, you yeah. and I geeked out on that. We both have a little <laughs> bit of some hippie backgrounds. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us today. If you liked the video, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. Everything on the channel is designed to help you have personal, get personal sales strategies for you and your team to make more money. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Evan. Hey, thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Roof Strategist Podcast. If you are out on a roof or driving around in your truck, you'll find everything you need right there in the show notes, including links to all my products and services, or to download your free copy of my Pitch Like a Pro Roofing Sales Training Video Library. And remember, all of my content is built around one simple principle. You ask, I answer. So what would you like me to cover in an upcoming episode? Email me personally, Adam at roofstrategist.com. That's Adam at roofstrategist.com. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review for the podcast, and I'll see you next time.